John, and we're going to start a new series today on worship. One of my great joys as a pastor is to see people transition when it comes to worship. I have seen people walk in this building and worship is very new to them. Uh, They look around, they don't know uh, really what to do. It's kind of a unique experience. Perhaps they come from a a very different background where nobody lifted their hands, nobody really sang too much. Maybe they're in a place where nobody shouted and, and this is all very different to them. And so they walk in and this is a very unique experience. I've seen people like that come into our church and then over a period of time, they get to a place where they go, you know, I really like that worship. I kind of, man, I like it. And, and, and they, they're clapping and they're lifting their hands and they're singing and they get to a place where they enjoy worship. It's one of my great joys as a pastor. But I believe that is just one step in a journey and there really is a, a bigger a step to take and that is this. It's where I get to a place where I don't just come to enjoy worship I come to be a worshiper. I'm not just coming to receive, I'm coming to give. Hallelujah. I've come with purpose and the purpose that I have is I come to worship God with everything that I've got and I realize that it's a part of me. It's not just something that I do. Listen to me. It is who I am. I am a worshiper. Amen. And so when we make that transition, something supernatural happens. I want to talk to you today and then uh, about worship. And then next week, of course, it's a very important service. It's going to be Pastor Alex and Melissa's final service. I encourage you to come uh, be with us next week. It's going to be a great Sunday. And then the next two weeks, we're going to talk some more about worship uh, as we lead up to Palm Sunday. And then of course, Easter Sunday. So if you're in John chapter four, I want to give you a little bit of a background As to what is taking place, Jesus tells his disciples, he says to them, I have to take a journey into Samaria. And he has a conversation at a well with a woman that is so unique. It is unique because, first of all, it is a man having a conversation alone with a woman. Even though they were in a public setting, they were having a private conversation, which was very unusual. But it is also unique in its cultural aspect in that it is a Jewish man having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. The Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They did not talk to Samaritans. They did not like that particular race. And so there was a cultural barrier there that Jesus broke. So not only was it a man having a conversation with a woman, it is a Jewish person having a conversation with a Samaritan. He has this conversation with him. And this is an incredible example about how to evangelize because Jesus takes something very natural, a well and water, and he turns the conversation to something incredibly spiritual and he talks to her about spiritual water. He talks to her about something that can be on the inside of her. Now in John chapter 4 verse number 16 she says to Jesus she says give me this water that I may drink. Now that's the equivalent of a fish jumping in the boat. It is somebody saying to you how do I get saved? 
Just tell me, I'll do it. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity for Jesus to lead her in the plan of salvation, right? Become a follower, become a disciple. And in verse 16, he says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. So Jesus now talks to this woman, says, you don't have, she says, I have no husband. He said, yeah, I know all about you. And he begins to speak into her life, begins to talk to her. He pulls back the veil. He pulls back the curtain and begins to reveal things to her that only something, uh, someone who is supernatural, hearing from God, a prophetic word, could ever reveal in her life. And so listen to this. So she says back to him, she says in verse 19, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. How many of you know that's incredible perception? You you don't have a husband, no. You've had five husbands and you're living with a man now who's not your husband. And she says back to Jesus, you're a prophet. Only a prophet would know that, right? Now watch this. This This is very important. She says to Jesus, you're a prophet. She's having a one-on-one conversation with him. And the next question she asked is an important question because she's face-to-face with a prophetic voice and she could ask him anything, anything. Huh? I mean, you're one-on-one now. You've already, you've already read my mail. You've already revealed to me my heart. I, I, I don't have anything to hide. I know I don't. I could, I could tell it like it is. I could ask you anything. And she doesn't ask him about the man she's living with now. She doesn't talk about the particular man she's with now. She doesn't say, hey, how about this dude that I'm living with now? Is he going to work out? Because I'd really like to know if I'm wasting my time or if this dude's going to be a, a stand-up guy. I mean, I caught him texting the other day and then he hid his phone from me, changed his password. I don't know if this thing's going to work out. I mean, is this guy really the guy? I'd like to know, is this the one, right? And she doesn't ask about any of the five husbands. She doesn't ask about Bill or Fred or or Steve, or Jim. I mean, what happened to them? That one dude that walked out, I haven't seen him. He's not on social media. I can't find him anywhere. I mean, what happened to that relationship? How about this? She could ask him anything about her past. She could ask him anything about her future. But she doesn't ask that. What does she ask? Here's what she asks. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you'll neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the father. Watch verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
she has an opportunity to ask him any question she wants. And her question is about worship. It's not about relationships. It's not about the past. It's not about the future. It's about the right here and the right now. Could you tell me where I could worship? See, I believe this. I believe with all of my heart on the inside of every one of us is a worshiper just wanting to get out. Did you hear me now? A worshiper that just wants to get out. And through layers of pride and layers of unbelief and layers of apathy and complacency and dead religion and false teaching, we have suppressed that worshiper. And listen, this woman had been through hurt after hurt and tragedy after tragedy. She'd walk, she'd see men walk out of her life. Men had probably passed away. She has had relationships severed. She's had all sorts of things happen to her. And she's living with a man now that will not marry her. And she says to Jesus, where can I worship? Where can I worship? Because there's just something inside of me that needs to find a place where I can connect with God on a very intimate level to heal my life that has been so broken and so bruised. And listen, I believe inside every one of us, we want to find a place where we can worship. Just where we can worship. And I have the privilege this morning of of uh, having Pastor Teresa Rolls with us today. Did you enjoy worship today with Pastor Teresa? Can we let her know what incredible job she did? Now listen, we have known each other, okay, (laughs) for a very long time. She was my first youth pastor, all right? And uh, we had in our youth group, we had incredible Worship. We had better worship in our youth group than, than many churches do today. It was incredible. And we had hundreds of kids coming to our youth group. And I remember being in that youth group and worship would just be phenomenal. And I would be sitting there, actually standing up, and I would just want to lift my hands. I want to let that worshiper inside of me out. But I could not get my hands past halfway. I just couldn't do it. I was too embarrassed. I thought if somebody sees me, what if one of my friends from school walks in? I mean, we were just a mile from my high school. What if somebody walks in and then they see me lifting my hands on a Wednesday night and I got to face them on Thursday morning and they point at me and they say, Jesus freak. And then they call me names and stuff. And I go, Oh no, this is not good. And so I was so embarrassed and I would just lift them halfway. In fact, before I even lifted them halfway, I do a little half turn to the left and a little half turn to the right. And I thought, I, I, I don't know if somebody's here. And finally something broke in my life. And I got to a place where where I said, I could care less what anybody thinks. I don't care who walks in this place, who knows me, who doesn't know me. I need a place to worship. I need a place to worship, right? And Jesus is having a conversation with this woman. And isn't it interesting that he never talks to her about where worship is. He really talks to her about how and why worship is. Watch this. 
She asked the question, do we worship on a mountain or do we worship in a city? Right? And, and, and Jesus answered her and said, it is not about where. It's not about where. Right? It's not a mountain. It's not a city. It's not a building. Come on now. It's not a church. It's not with a band. It's not with your favorite song. Huh? It's never only about where. It is never relegated to simply a where. And I believe the greatest disservice and the greatest injustice that we could ever do to worship, the way to really make worship so much less than it is, is to confine worship simply to a time and a place. How many of you know it is never about a building? It is about a how and a why. Jesus says to her, it's not about where. It's about two things, spirit and it is about truth. And listen, if we're going to transition from being somebody who just enjoys worship to letting the worshiper out inside of us, we've got to start with this truth. We have to understand that it is not about me coming to fulfill some sort of duty and get my 20 minutes of worship in. It is about, listen, I've got to learn how to worship on Monday morning, on Wednesday afternoon, in my office. I got to do it in my house. I got to do it wherever I can, whenever I can. It is never about where. I do more worshiping, right, outside of the church than I do in the church. Listen, I enjoy coming to church. I love it. I, I like coming the Sunday mornings. I, I like it so much, I come twice. I make both services. Right? I make both services. And I enjoy second service worship just like first, even though I'd heard all the songs before. I love it. I want to be in my seat the moment the first note is played. Amen. I don't want to be out in that lobby. Come on now. I want to get you guys to come in and say, listen, worship's on. Let's get in here and let's get going. I don't need a warm-up. I don't need a tune-up. I don't need three songs before I start to feel it. I'm ready from the moment the first note is played to get some worship going. Amen. But I also know this. I don't just worship in here. The majority of my worship is actually in my home. My son is off at college, so he doesn't know it yet, but his bedroom is really my man cave to be. Come on now. So he doesn't know it yet, but I go into my little man cave, which he calls his bedroom, and, and I get my worship on in there. I, I put on music. Everybody's in the house is asleep. I get up early. I get my coffee, praise the Lord, and I go into a place where I can just worship, right? I just worship, and it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what I sound like. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks because nobody's there, just me and God, and I do my worship there. And whether it's there in the office, in the car, thank God for Bluetooth, wherever it is, I worship. It is never about a place, right? And if we take worship and we confine it to a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, we've done a disservice to worship and we'll never get past just enjoying it to becoming a worshiper. Because worshipers worship. Worshipers worship whenever they can, right? 
And, and, and we have to get to past this thing of, of it's all about what I like and what I don't like, right? Do you know in 1 Samuel chapter 16, watch this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, Saul is king and the Bible says that God sent a spirit to distress him, to agitate him, to stir him up spiritually, to get him kind of with an understanding. Saul, you've got to make some changes. You've, you've got to do some, some, some things in your life. You've got to make some adjustments. But he had some counselors around him that said this. They said, you ought to hire somebody to play some music. Let's find somebody who knows how to play the guitar, play the harp, play the tambourine. Let's, fi- let's find them. Let's hire them. Let's bring them into the king's castle. And when they're in here, they're going to they're gonna worship. You're going to feel so much better. So Saul does it. He hires a guy by the name of David. David was anointed to be the next king. And David comes in and he starts playing. And man, when he's playing, Saul's like, ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that. That sounds good. That sounds good. You keep playing because I feel better. You keep playing because this comforts me. Man, I walked in here. I didn't know what I was going to do this week. I'm facing all sorts of problems. But now that you're playing, boy, it feels so much better. Huh? And he felt better. But when David left, guess what? Nothing changed in Saul's life. All of a sudden, that, that distress just came back on him. That anxiety came back on him. And then, and then David would come back the next Sunday at 11 o'clock. Come on now. And, and, and David would play, and he'd feel better. But then he walked out. David walked out. And Saul came, went back to the same old problem. Couldn't sleep. Same stress. Same mess. Same sin. Same stronghold. Come on now. Saul never changed because he did not allow worship to transform him. He simply enjoyed it. He never made the transition to being a worshiper. He did not know what to do when the music stopped. And there are so many Christians that don't know what to do when the music stops. Just don't know what to do when the music stops. They stopped. Now what? Huh? They stopped. Do I keep my hands lifted up? Do I keep singing? Do I, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. We don't allow worship sometimes to transform us. And listen, it's a journey. I know. Listen, I have been there. And if I'm not careful, I can get back there. Several weeks ago, my wife and I, we were in Oklahoma just two weeks ago. We're in Oklahoma. This last week, I was in New York. I was in New York. My daughter turned 18. I'd been promised her for 10 years. I'm going to take her to New York City. And so we went to New York City. We got back uh, late, really early Saturday morning. And uh, by the time I got to bed, I should say, then I had a, men- I had a minister's meeting uh, down in Hollywood Saturday morning. Uh, I, I mean, listen, we had a full day yesterday and had a birthday party. And then I came to the church to try to study. In fact, I was telling the first service, I got here to church today. I always bring my clothes with me. I just come in different clothes and I change here. Listen, I forgot my socks. I'm wearing no socks. I've got no socks on today. I have never in my life preached with no socks. So if you see a little skin, if I'm showing a little more leg than I I normally do, I'm not trying to start a fashion trend. I just, I don't have any socks on. I don't have any socks on. And so today when I go home, I'm going to stare at the back of my eyelids for hours. Exhausted. You understand? Exhausted. 
Two weeks ago, we were in Oklahoma all week. So we've been traveling an unusual amount of time. And we were at a conference. Of course, we're part of the Destiny Fellowship. And Bishop Tony Miller has his big conference. And we're at this conference in Oklahoma City. And it's the final night. And I couldn't wait. Man, I love to worship. We went into that auditorium, man, we're ready. We're sitting on go. We know, we know that we know that we know that it's going to be incredible. The only thing was I had never heard of the people who were going to lead worship. I'd never heard of them. I saw their name on the flyer. I saw their name on social media. And I said, hmm, I, I've never heard of these people. And I thought, I'm, I'm pretty hip when it comes to worship. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm up on the latest worship stuff. I, I know that the latest people, the latest songs, but I had never heard of these people. So I said, man, this is, this is different. Never heard of them. And when they started off, I went, huh. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder why they didn't invite that other person, you know? Because they're singing songs I don't know. I don't know any of these songs. And I'm just sitting there and I'm kind of looking around and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if anybody else is struggling like I am. I wonder if anybody else is thinking, yeah, we don't know these songs. And the guy was doing weird things with his hands and that wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't working for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that, he's doing this with his hands. I didn't know what he's doing. And I'm like, that ain't working for me. That's not working for me. And he's singing songs I don't know. There's people I don't know. And he's doing weird things with his hands. And I'm like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. But God just reminded me yet again, it's never about you, Brian. It's not about what you like, what you don't like, songs you know, songs you don't know, people who are on the platform that you enjoy, or people who are complete strangers. It's never about that. You just worship. You worship me like you do in your man cave, in your office, in your car, to church on Sunday morning with the people that you know and the songs that you know. You worship me the same way because there's a worshiper inside of you, come on now, that still, still wants to get free. And all of a sudden we begin to worship. And man, I tell you what, I didn't know any of the songs, but I lifted my hands, I lifted my voice. And let me tell you, God showed up in that room because there was a church full of people. There were several thousand people, uh, thousands of people in that auditorium and they were all doing the same thing, just worshiping. And seven o'clock we started and by the time we ended worship, it was nine o'clock for two hours we worshiped. And then the guest speaker got up and he preached for another hour. It was way past 10 by the time we got out. And we just worshiped and we could have kept going. It's like they had to go, hey, listen, we got to go at some point. At some point we got to end. It was incredible. Why? Because there was a group of people that didn't care about time. They didn't care about what they liked. They said they're not in it for me. It's not about whether I feel the goosebumps, don't feel the goosebumps, like the song, don't like the song, know the person, don't know the person. I am here to worship God with everything that I've got and I will not leave here until I have touched heaven and heaven has touched me. Somebody shout hallelujah because there's something inside of us, someone inside of us that wants to break free this worshiper, amen? 
And I want to do that. I'm going to ask Pastor Teresa to come back to the keyboard today. And listen, if I was to preach on salvation, we would give a salvation altar call, right? And I would talk to you about heaven and hell. And I would talk to you about what God can do in your life. And listen, we'll pray for you. If that's an issue in your life, we'll pray for you today. And if I was to preach on healing today and talk to you about how healing is a part of the cross and the atonement, I would always call people up to receive healing in their bodies. If I was to preach on marriage today and how God restores marriages and what God did in my wife and I's marriages, then I would always, of course, expect to pray for people who are dealing and struggling with marriage and relationships. But I preached on worship today. I said, I preached on worship today, right? And so I'm going to invite you today to step out of your comfort zone, step out of maybe what you're used to, get to a place where you understand really it's not about these four walls, right? Because if you only worship here, you've missed it. And Jesus is saying to you the same thing he said to that woman a couple thousand years ago when he sat next to her and he had such compassion and he cared for her and he loved her and he said, it's not about where. It's not about a mountain. It's not about a city. It's not about Grace Chapel. It's not about their worship team. It's not about a pastor coming up and trying to to cheer you on it's about how and it's about why it's never about where